When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Coming up on On The Mark with yours truly, Mark Carmen. That's right. It's a very Brady podcast. That's right. Bobby Brady on the podcast. And Cindy Brady, Susan Olson, out of nowhere, as both of them are on the new Brady show on HDTV. Steve Smith, 14 years in the NBA. I will ask him about LeBron and Michael and who he thinks will win the NBA championship next season. On the Mark with yours truly, Mark Carmen starts right now. Big show today, that's right. We've got Bobby and Cindy Brady, Susan Olson, Mike Looking Bill, my childhood is going to be on display. Ashley Young, does that excite you? I'm so excited. I love the Brady Bunch. You know what I was actually kind of not aware of when I interviewed Susan Olson? Did you know that she has had these moments where her politics are coming screaming out? I just didn't even talk about that. I didn't realize that she was so controversial. You're so uncomfortable right now. Oh, because I didn't think that's what you were going to say. I did not know that until 10 minutes ago when you told me that. What did you think I was going to say? Something, I don't know. I didn't think you were going to go there. Oh, okay. But now we went there. Well, sure. well, would you have Had you known, would you have asked her? I, no, I, I try to stay out of the fray. I, okay. I, 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 you know, everybody's got their opinions and they're entitled to them. I mean, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you're a bad person if you believe one way. But, you know, I think a lot of people certainly have the inkling to do that so i was mm-hmm. just glad that i steered away from it but uh, <laughs> what i was disappointed i love talking to her and i particularly love and you'll hear it from her coming up here how much she loved her tv parents mm-hmm. um you know florence henderson who was yeah. just such a sweetheart and Ann B. davis who was alice did you watch the brady bunch i growing? loved the brady bunch you loved, I the, brady- loved the brady bunch yeah. really yeah does that uh, surprise you? Well, it's yeah because it's, I mean it's old, yeah. I mean we're generational gap in here, and yet we both have the sh- same love for the for the Brady Bunch. I was like obsessed with that time era. You know that she wouldn't sing this, the theme song because she was taunted and made fun of by her friends, or well, her not her friends, like her the kids that she went to school with. That's they, really sad, isn't it? So she, you triggered her childhood trauma I, by asking her to sing. Well, I asked her to sing the song with me because I I was singing it before the interview, and I was actually starting well, we to. Know. Cr- the whole office knows you were singing it well, before the interview. Uh, well, I was start. I was literally starting to like borderline cry as I was singing the song. Now, how weird is that? Because it brought up trauma for you, or no? Or just I stir just up emotions here. I just think I was feeling my childhood singing okay. the song, and there's something about. 
I don't know the story of how the family came together that it's that's resonated in a way I wasn't expecting. A blended family, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I don't come from a blended family, but I there's I don't know, maybe there's just something wholesome about the Brady Bunch. You know what I never thought about until this very moment? I want a story of what happened to their other like not Mr. and Mrs. Brady, but like Mrs. Brady's first love or husband well, or whatever that, it was. It's interesting. Isn't that in the show? Well, so it's it's interesting that you say that because Mrs. Brady, yeah. I believe, came from a divorce. Okay. But they never established where Mr. Brady came from. Mm. So they that was like that was too controversial. They didn't I think no, I'm sorry. That's not I'm I'm incorrect. Mr. Brady okay. came, was widowed. Oh. But they never said where Florence. They never. They never actually said that she was divorced or that she was widowed. They just kind of left it out there, and it was never to be discussed because you know this is the seventies, and that was that was too controversial at the time. They have you know it's hard to balance two sets of like holidays and parents and the the Brady Bunch tackle any of that. They tackled a lot of it was tackling like your. There's no step. There's no stepsons. There's mm-hmm. no stepdaughters in her. The only steps in this house are the steps that go upstairs. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. Will you sing the uh, song with me? Um, no. You won't sing it with me either. I don't. I really don't want to sing. No. But Will you sing to me? Well, I would well, no. Okay, well, I'm, I'm a little bitter that you wouldn't eat the hot dog ice cream. Well, so. Oh, hold on a second. Left turn out of nowhere. Not at, a left turn. Not a left turn. Right turn. Your, your actions have consequences, and you left me hanging. We were delivered a promotional product from Oscar Mayer. This is bullshit. I rarely, <laughs> I rarely swear on the podcast, but this is straight bullshit. But go ahead. I will hype Karm up. I said his best quality is that he never says no. He's down for whatever. He's very supportive. So we get this box, gets delivered to the office, and it's allegedly full of Oscar Mayer. I wrote this down. Ice dog sandwiches, which are essentially ice cream sandwiches that taste like hot dogs. Uh huh. And I guess in theory, they were supposed to be delivered with dry ice so that they wouldn't melt. They were like moderately melted. No, no. They were falling <laughs> apart melted. There was no dry ice. They smelled terrible. And you, the person who apparently only cares about content over human beings, wanted me <laughs> to eat this ice cream and didn't care if perhaps I got food poisoning and ended up in the hospital. And sure, it was unlikely. And for the record, not only did it smell terrible, it looked terrible. It was grainy <laughs> and falling apart. There was nothing appetizing about it. Like if there was a melted ice cream sandwich falling apart in a thing that, that you would find at Seven <laughs> Eleven, I'd eat it. This was like this like cornmeal disgust. Okay. It was gross. Okay, for what for the record, it involves candied hot dog bits. Hot dog, sweet cream, spicy Dijon gelato, and a cookie bun. Yeah, that's that's great. What it that sounds a lot better than it actually. And you looked. led me on. I filmed that for two minutes, doing this I intro, unwrapping it. I thought you were gonna take a big old bite, and you left us hanging. Just sing the song with me. Ready? Here, I'm gonna show you the words. There they are. You okay, ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Here's, Here's the, the story, story of a lovely, lovely lady. lady. Your line. Who was bringing up three very lovely girls? Da-na-na. All of them had hair of gold, like their mother. 
The youngest one in curls. It's the story of a man named Brady. Please don't unsubscribe from this podcast. We're done, I swear. Who was busy with three boys of his own. There were four men living all together. Yet they were all alone. Ba-doo, ba-doo, doom, till the we're one- not calm. We gotta cut this shit. This, I'm gonna edit it. This is so good. Till the one day when the yeah. lady met this fellow. And they knew that it was much more than a hunch. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that this group must somehow, somehow form-, form a family. That's the, the way. way we all became the Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch, dun, 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 the, the Brady, Brady Bunch. That's the way we became the Brady Bunch. I mean, that kind of came back to me. I th- see. You're glad that you didn't. Aren't you happy that you did that? Don't you feel better now? No, that was awful. Oh I think you, no, I'm cutting I, that right out. I think Mm-mm. you're. I know you're lying. This is. I hope this. You the, think that's the greatest theme song in? No. What's your favorite theme song? Wow, that's a good one. You know what? I got completely hooked on the other day. I don't know if you noticed this sitting next to me, but for about no. three days in the office, I had to listen to One Day at a Time for a good. You know, I. What's you know, one day at a time? You never saw one day at a time no. in the in the seventies. <laughs> this 70s. is Come it. Well, you watched the Brady Bunch. That was I the seventies right. too. One, one day, day at a time. One day at a time uh, was a was a story about a divorced mother raising two daughters, and you had the superintendent Schneider. And one day at a time. Um, I don't know if you can incorporate it into. Oh, it's p- on Netflix. No, no, that's not the same one oh. at a time. <laughs> Came out in twenty seventeen. Yeah, that's not it. That's not it. No, one day at a time. Uh, let me see if I can pull up the lyrics here for you, Ashley. I'm ready. Um, this one, I don't know if everybody's ready for me to sing, but... The 70s? One day at a time. This is it. This is it. This is life. The one you get. So go and have a ball. This is it. It's a, it's a great, you know, motivational. This is your life. Go out there. Kick some ass. Enjoy it. Uh huh. I loved it. That's like your favorite theme song of all time. One day I think, at a time. Are well, you feeling it lately? The Jeffersons is up there. Jeffersons is good. The Jeffersons is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I like Good Times too. Like that that whole era. Uh, you probably never saw Good Times. I'm, I know. You know, this is a podcast, and you can't see my face, but it's yeah. one of straight confusion. I'm trying to think of other. Uh, the Dukes of Hazard was a phenomenal theme song. Did you ever see that? Mm-mm. No. No. Sorry. Just a good old boys. <laughs> ding, ding. Never meaning no harm. All right. So uh, I'm I'm at the U.S. Open this week, mm-hmm. Ashley. Do you want me to bring you back anything? Would you like a hat? Would you like a? I'm, I'm I'm offering straight up now. Straight up. Yeah. Okay. Do you, I mean you know I'll put it on the corporate card and say that this was all for you? No, no, I would never do never that. I would never do that. I would never do that. I would never 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 do this. No, I know. I'll get you something out of my own pocket, Ashley. For all you've done. Wow. You don't do even like tennis? I don't feel like you do. Yeah, you don't like tennis. I don't dislike it. It's just, you know, right, right, it's only right. so much time. Man. So many hours in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm excited yeah. for you. It's going to be great. Did you find out where you're staying? No, I'm, I've been looking at Airbnb for seven years now. Finally going to make pull the trigger. Wait, when are you leaving? On Monday. Today. Okay, the so day we're the, recording this on Thursday. Yes, I'm leaving. Carm's th- leaving Monday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm leaving the day that this podcast is coming out. So, I'll, what do you think? That's too late to book a, th- a room? Are you are you having anxiety? I, I do a little bit. I'm a planner. So you don't know where you're staying? I just feel like things slip away by the hour. See, 
Uh, that's not happening right now. No, 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 no. no. Don't worry. We're speaking into existence. I've got two Airbnbs that have invitations at me that are within my grasp until tomorrow. Oh, okay. And I'm still perusing some of the hotel options, perhaps, that might be better. And I am having a weird problem pulling the trigger because none of them are super exciting. I'm not really mm. thrilled about any of the, the stay options. Uh, so I have, I've, I've waited a tad bit, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you for being with me. I, I'll, I'll miss being in the office with you at the start I'll of the week. I'll miss you too. Yes. And uh, thank you for singing along. I hope Anytime. You, I hope you left it in the podcast. 14-year veteran, one of my favorite players, Steve Smith-Smitty with us here, who's working with FedEx today, the Junior Business Challenge. Smitty, it's a busy day for you. What do you got going on with FedEx? I know this program means a lot to you. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, when you, you get a chance to see the, the kids, the high school kids, the teenagers, three kids from all different parts of the country get a chance to present their ideas. And, uh, three different genres, which made it tough. Their presentation was fantastic. Um, I got a chance to be a judge and I get a chance to ask them some questions. Um, and, and what was great, it was the teamwork, the chemistry they had, and just looking and thinking back at my 16, 17-year-old self and what these kids are so accomplished and, uh, and what they did, these business ideas were, were fantastic. And, you know, and I love the way they came together. And they were real truthful. We had some people quit, but we persevered. And I was got a chance to get here to just a chance to, you know, uh, be the last three standing. And so it was great for me to be a part of all this. And I take my hat off to, to the Junior Achievement and also the FedEx for sponsoring this because um, did an excellent job. And I think it gave these kids, there was no losers, these kids got a chance to come out here in front of some judges, in front of some corporate, uh, and have a great chance. And, and the, the ultimate winner got a chance to win 75000 for their chapter of the JA. Yeah, not bad. It's interesting when you think about you at that age, and I want to bring that into basketball, and how you trained and got yourself you know, good enough to go to Michigan State and have a ridiculous career there, but how kids train nowadays and year-round and AAU how do you think Smitty today, if you were 16, would be? Would you be doing it the same way you did it back then? What do you think it would look like? You know, probably. You know, obviously playing a lot of games. You know, when I play AU, I think uh, my four years of high school, I think I probably played a total of 40 games. You know, what right. I mean, kids now get a chance to play that. You know, in two or three months of the summer. You know, so I think right now is hopefully, which I did, we have some um, unbelievable people, smart people in my corner. I had Spencer Haywood. I was fortunate. I had Isaiah Thomas, Jonathan Mars, those guys that took time. But uh, also tell me, you got to put in a lot of work and everything, but the smart work in the right way. Love to see some more of, you know, right now with our youth, you know, and in all sports, getting a chance to understand how to take care of their bodies and also understanding the rest period. I think right now is we drill so much, a lot of our youth, that you got to work harder than the next person. you got to right. work harder, but you also got to work smarter. So I, will, I always appreciate these kids on, you know, being able to take care of your, your health because most of them are still growing, still maturing. So you would love to see them, you know, do the recovery part and the health part as well. So let's talk about the league right now. Did Kawhi make the right decision in your mind going to the Clippers? You know, I, I think he did because if you look back, this is where he all, this is where he wanted to be for a long time. Um, I think him making this decision obviously gives us a whole bunch of storyline to talk about. And just the two teams in LA, it's going to be fun. No I think the dynamic of all this movement, you know, uh, it was unreal. I had not seen this much movement. I've been around the game for so long and I think it brought a lot of parody. Yes, we all going to have our opinions, uh, 
who's a clear cut, you know, uh, could be winner. But I don't think there's clear cut anymore. You know, there, there, there's going to be a lot of people saying here, this, here and there. So I think it's going to be six or seven teams in that conversation. So I put you in Vegas right now and you got to bet on someone. Who are you taking? You know, if I'm betting on somebody right now, I would go with Clippers, you know, because I'm going by what they did last year, the chemistry they had, ownership, coaching staff, and then you add two guys who I don't think disrupt their chemistry. Um, I think other teams, um, there are some guys, the teams that, you know, not saying, I don't know if they would gel that quick. I think the style of play of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard fits right in. That's not saying there's a guarantee. And I still wouldn't count out the old faithfuls like the Golden State Warriors and also the San Antonio Spurs. I have the San Antonio Spurs really making some noise this year. No, they don't have the big, big, big name superstars, but I thought what they did last year versus the Denver Nuggets, taking them to the brink of Game 7. And with the additions of some of the guys that just was hurt, I think the Spurs are going to be in that conversation. And I think Philly, obviously, in the East, along with the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks, are, are the three teams. And then the Indiana Pacers, I think, have a great chance to come out of the East. See, I would pick the Lakers. Am I nuts? I don't think you're nuts. I think, for me, is I think um, talent-wise, not at all. I, I just look at overall... I think they're going to be there, but I look at, you know, the chemistry. How quickly can they have chemistry and symmetry between ownership, management, coach, and player? It can be done. I just think uh, the Clippers had, I would say, more of that in place day one versus the Lakers. But you can't count on a LeBron James team with the – I think a guy in Anthony Davis is one of the top two or three talents that has a lot to prove. Who do you like in the East right now? I mean – you see Milwaukee taking the next leap. A lot of people are saying Philly. I, I will give the edge to Philly right now. Um, they have this guy that I always love, and Al Horford. Yep. It just seems like wherever Al goes, he's a stable leader that I think is also a guy that will help the Philadelphia 76ers playing alongside Joel Embiid. And even if you needed that, you know, we all talk about low management. Al could cover that center spot while Joel Embiid is out. Steve Smith working with FedEx for a couple more minutes here. Do, people are complaining, some saying the players have too much power and Rich Paul's being talked about a ton and how they can influence guys from here to there. Do you think the players and agents right now are controlling too much of the league? No, not at all. I mean, you know, I think it's movement. I think everybody has to go. The players, the agents are playing up under the rules. If you only have a two-year contract, you know, per se, some of these teams, and you are a free agent in two or three years. We're just not used to having this much movement from our star players. But if your contract is only the length is two, three years, also you have player options was under the rules. There's no way there's the players are having too much power there and agencies, especially a guy like Rich Paul. There's playing under the rules and they're not doing anything illegal. So, you know, I'm not buying that the players have too much power. I mean, you know, when it was long term, when guys signed seven year deals, then you didn't see that made much movement. But guys now, because of um, the way it's set up, I mean, you can sign a one year, two year, three year, four year, five year, and the guys have out. Yeah. You, you, of course, could drill the three, but you had a great mid range game, and that seems to be going away because, you know, everyone understands that the way guys shoot the three today, it's better to shoot that shot. What do you think of getting rid of the corner three and just having an arc across the top so that shot's gone and it opens it up for more driving lanes, more mid-range, and makes the game, at least in my mind, it would be more fun to watch? You know, I, I look at it and I think the copycat, which we all do in all sports, is you look at who won a championship. 
the guy, the MVP was Kawhi Leonard. Can he shoot the three? Yes. But I thought he did most of his damage at the mid-range to the rim. That's true. So I think if, if you just look at the copycat, and yes, the Warriors, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, you know, those are two of the greatest, not the, the best right now in the NBA, to go down as two of the greatest three-point shooters in the history. Why wouldn't you design an offense for two of the greatest three-point shooters in history, arguably, when their careers are over? So, yes, we had a, a run with the Golden State Warriors where everybody wanted to copycat those guys. Uh, it, it was just magical to have two guys that go down the greatest. Other than that, the team that won it and the team that challenges and it seems that get it done from the mid-range, like a guy like Kawhi Leonard and also the Toronto Raptors. They didn't have a lot of guys shooting it to Yeah. D. Wade was wearing your jersey the other day. That mean anything to you? I'm assuming uh, it made you felt good. It had to make you feel good, right? Oh, it is. I mean, he, he he's done that a couple of times. You know, I've been knowing him since he was a youngster. He played for my old assistant coach, Tom Green, at Marquette. So, and then I even got a chance to play a year with Dwayne Wade. So, good friend of mine. I, you know, for him to do that, it, it, it's unbelievable. For an old guy like me, for the next generation to still recognize it, it made me proud. And, and even more, my kids got a chance to say, Dad, D-Wade is wearing, is wearing your jersey. Before you go, Sabini, can you just explain to the youth of America why Michael is greater than LeBron and it's really not close? I'm assuming you agree with me. <laughs> so he tried to put words in my mouth. I, you know, I can explain why Michael was great. One, he was a competitor. One, he was a winner. And I think also that's the same thing with LeBron James. You know, you can get into that debate, and it's a great debate, but both those guys are unbelievable. I just got a chance to play against Michael Moore. I get played against LeBron, and I, I tell people I was blessed. I got a chance to play against Michael, LeBron, and Kobe. Three of the greatest, I would call them mid smalls, you know, but you start talking about the greatest ever. We always forget they had a guy named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You go with Kareem as the greatest of all time? I'm going with, if you start to say, he's got to be in that conversation, we forget. Okay, okay. When you start talking about individual awards, he's the all-time leading scorer. Talking about championships, he's up there as well. I just think we forget a lot of guys. And there's nothing against LeBron, Kobe, and Michael, but, you know, uh, there's a guy named Kareem was there and a few more. So if Smitty had the first pick all-time, who are you taking? Uh, because I played a two-guard position uh, and a point guard, probably go with Kareem, then Michael. Okay. Wow. That's that that that's gonna make this podcast roll right there. <laughs> Smitty, great, great to talk to you. Love your work. Uh, it's always great to see you on whatever TV you're on and uh, great work with FedEx as well. Thanks for taking time. I appreciate it. I will say I played against Michael. I didn't play against Kareem, so that's the greatest I played against. Okay. We got that on the record too. I'll I'll got you. That makes me feel a little bit better. Thanks, Smitty. <laughs> Thanks, no problem. Bunch is back. Not exactly, but HGTV, congratulations. They bought the house, they've renovated the house, and Susan Olsen was a part of that renovation. Cindy Brady, Susan Olsen with us here. Susan, I hear that you were the most dynamic, home-building, staircase-making person of all the Bradys. Is that true, that you were the most uh, handy of everyone? I wish. I wish. I, you know... I'm I'm not nearly as handy with things like heavy lifting and going on roofs and stuff. Um, I was more about the graphic design of the wallpaper and airbrushing the the fixtures. Um, I, I I would I would say probably 
the heaviest lifter in our cast would be Mike Lookenland because he already has his own um, building company where he makes custom some custom concrete fireplaces, bathtubs, you name it. So that guy knows his way around power tools. In fact, he's even missing the tip of a finger because of it. Is that right? <laughs> a little tidbit there. I, I did not know that. And we talked to Mike earlier. For those who are not familiar, that's Bobby Brady. Were you closest with him on the show since you guys were so close in age? Yes, absolutely. I even named my son after him. You named your son after Mike Lookingland. That's amazing. Sure did. <laughs> What's it like for you to get back together with everyone, Susan? Is it uh, you? Do you look forward to it, or are you like, oh, I got to do this again with these people? How does that How does that work for you? If we were playing our characters, yes, it would be like, oh, I got to go do this again. Uh-huh. Um, I, I've not been real keen on reunion shows. But being ourselves, th- this is sort of like a dream of mine. And back in 1995, I tried to make this happen by, di- by producing a special for CBS called Brady Bunch Home Movies, where I, I was showing the fact that, that Robert Reed got all of us kids movie cameras. And, you know, we... I was featuring the home movie footage that we shot, which was horrible because we were children. But um, mostly I wanted to show the world that the people behind the characters are even better than the characters that they already love. And that was my dream. And um, for reasons I won't go into, the, the special didn't turn out as well as I wanted it to. And um, there are legal things like, you know, the fact that I I could, I was producing a Brady commodity that the original producers had nothing to do with. Um, That didn't sit well. (laughs) So anyway, it didn't quite turn out the way I wanted it to, and it's never been shown again. But now HGTV has, has given me my dream. And, and that's the opportunity to show the world what wonderful people are behind these characters. Well, that's really cool to hear. And I always wonder if you knew everything that was going to come with being Cindy, uh, you know, would Susan Olsen sign up to do that? And, I mean, here you are, I would think, you know, 50 years later, super proud to be this person. But then it also, there's a cost to it as well, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, look, if I if I had a really burning desire to be an actress, I would be resentful because um, I, I did pursue acting, and at the age of twenty three, I realized, gosh, you know, no, just nobody's hiring me for anything that I want to do, and um, and and realized I was so jealous of my boyfriend who had gone off to art school. I I realized this really isn't my medium. I would prefer to be an artist. And um, so I I quit the acting business. Um, As a child, I was teased unmercifully 
at school, and so that was a drag. But otherwise, it's it's really been wonderful because I have not only my own great family, but this other great family, and we all love each other, and the world loves us. <laughs> That's pretty trippy. It, it's unbelievable. I you know I was sitting here before and yeah. just like singing the song. Uh, you know the theme song, and it's and I like feel it in in my bones, which is like kind of bizarre. I mean, I'm 45, so I grew up, you know, like so many, watching the show. So it takes you back, and that's I think partly at least why you guys are beloved, and also because people can identify. Uh, but you just mentioned that you know you were teased because people actually thought you were the character that like the tattletale or whatever they were projecting onto you. Yes. And and that's, I mean that 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 could not have been easy right there. No, and that you know that's not uncommon. I think people have become more savvy about things these days. But I mean, it used to be like if if you were in a soap opera and you were a villain, you had to have security yeah. going out in public because people would attack you, thinking that you were that character. And that that's what, I mean, like like the guy that played Superman, he could not go out. Because everybody had to come up and challenge him. <laughs> I, I think people are a lot more industry savvy and understand that it's an actor. It's not, you know, the character's not real. <laughs> I, I hope you're right. I'm not 100% certain you are, but, you know, fingers crossed on that one. Uh, you're a huge... Well, I, mean, I don't know. For me, I live in L.A. And nobody... Nobody cares at all who I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're. And I like it like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And you know, you're well. You're a little bit older now than you were at, at, at you know, when you were Cindy. I mean, we got, we got 50 years now. Uh, you're a huge animal yeah. welfare advocate, which is just beautiful. Uh, how did, how did this become something? And that thank was... you so much for getting that correct. You didn't say animal rights activist. You said animal welfare advocate. Good job. Well, thank you, Susan. Because it's different. It's totally different. <laughs> well, and I'm curious, you know, where the where this came from for you, and 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 what you want people to know. Oh, I was born with Ellie Mae Clampett syndrome, um, and of course, most people don't know who that is. She was from the Beverly Hillbillies. She was my idol because she had all kinds of critters, and I just, I've always been drawn towards animals. My whole family were real nature advocates, and, you know, constantly watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom and all these nature shows, and so, you know, just learning about animals, being fascinated with them, and then having tons of pets, too, because we, we lived on a a larger than normal bit of, I mean, it wasn't like a ranch or anything. It was just a regular house, but we did have a bigger backyard. And, you know, uh, at one point I had eight dogs, which was totally illegal, but oh well. <laughs> um, I had a pet possum. I had Whoa. a pet squirrel. Um, my, the squirrel was my first bottle baby. And then, um, gosh, about... 10, 
11, what, however many years ago, um, I got reacquainted with a friend of mine who said to me, hey, I, I've been having a whole lot of fun with the bottle baby program at the shelter. And maybe you would like to do that. And what you do is you go in and you get, um, you get trained and, uh, then you're on assignment, uh, when they get, when they get little babies, little puppies and kittens that are too young to fend for themselves and need somebody to bottle feed them, you get a call and next thing you know, you, you get a litter. And, um, so that's what I started doing. And then, you know, it's just anything else I can do. I love to do. I'm involved now with, uh, Spirit of Animals Sanctuary, which was featured in the Building Brady um, sub-series that's, that's been on the internet. And I kind of took, um, took the host around a little tour of this wonderful sanctuary where all of the animals are rescues. It's beautiful. And we got cattle and emus and pigs and um and my favorite opossums we didn't we didn't get to show them in the footage which disappointed me because i got this weird love for possums they're so ugly looking and scary looking and they're just the sweetest little thing misunderstood the possum (laughs) i get it yes Uh, and i always go for the underdog right I'm, I'm with you. Uh, all right, I got it. We got like, I think we got time for two quick questions here. Uh, okay. What what was was Robert Reed or Florence or or Henderson or or Ann Davis who played Alice? Were were any of those like kind of your, I don't know, not your parents, but parents in their own way? Like who took you under their wing as a young kid? Yes, the most? absolutely. They all were. They all. Were. They all were. Um, Florence Henderson had four kids of her own, and um, we would go over to her house for sleepovers to play with her kids. Wow. Uh, her son, Robert, and I both have birthdays in August, and she would do a, a birthday party for the both of us. So we all kind of grew up as siblings. And then Robert Reed um, genuinely loved us. Now, he hated the Brady Bunch, but he loved us kids and truly took on a fatherly role. He knew that I um, was artistic as a child. And like, you know, one year for Christmas, he got me a set of books about art for children, but he, he chose his favorite artist to, you know, it's just, I mean, he wanted to turn us on to culture and help us develop our passions. And he went so far as to take all six of us kids to London because that's where he had been turned on to acting. And he went to the Royal Academy. So, I mean, out of the goodness of his heart and his checkbook, (laughs) he took all six of us kids on Queen Elizabeth II, um, the ship. We were on the ship for a week, and then we spent a week in London learning about acting. 
I, I appreciate you. Yeah, sharing. and then Anne, Anne never liked children, but she ended up liking us, and she would teach us things like, well, tennis was her passion, and she got all of us into doing needlepoint, which back then, as a child, being on the set, we didn't have electronics. We didn't have quiet activities to do on a Game Boy. So we had needle crafts. And she got us all doing them. It's <laughs> great, uh, Susan. Great to talk to you. You, you want to sing the first uh, verse of the uh, the theme song with me? Hell no! <laughs> I hate that song. <laughs> I used to be teased with that song when I was a child. Yeah, not exactly a tune I'm fond of. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of had a feeling it would go that You'd way. You'd have to pay me big bucks as a musician. To sing that with you. See that just that sucked <laughs> that they tease you on it, but uh, hey, you're, you 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 turned out phenomenal, Susan. It was great to talk to you today, uh, and we're we're excited to watch the HD TV. So thanks so much for the time. Mike Lookingland with us here. Mike, do you get emotional when these things co start coming back around here? It's great to have you with us. How how are you feeling about this? This one has turned out. It, this one is is for sure the one of the best experiences of my film production life. It's just been 100% great to be involved, and I've been back to the house. You know, it's been finished for for several weeks, and I've been back there. Uh, I've spent hours there, and it's just it's mind-numbingly strange and cool. <laughs> right, see strange and weird, and totally awesome and cool. So are you feeling your childhood coming rushing back at you all over again while you're... Uh... Oh, yeah, just, just what we all need, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nine years old again. No, uh, it's just, I, I'm just impressed by the accomplishment of the whole thing. And yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of you know, memories that are, that are spurred. But, you know, the, the house they've, they've made is a recreation of something that never really existed. Uh -huh. It's only in, it's fake, you know, but not anymore. Now it's real. And, uh, and so I, I'm impressed that they were able to pull this off. And I've said, it's probably in the show, me saying, um, like, with regard to the finished product, I thought they were maybe going to do, like, a 21st century version of what the Brady House would be like today. But no, I was wrong. They they recreated the thing like brick for brick. It's like exactly the same as it was in 1970. Pretty cool. So, Mike, I think there's at least one person who's watching and or listening this, to this right now who's thinking, wait a second. The house wasn't exactly the same, and now HD, HGTV's renovation of the original house, uh, you know, there, there, there's got to be, like, some confusion. Like, well, well, how was it actually shot? Were you not in that house? Like, can you explain that, please? The, the exterior of the house, which everybody knows and is so iconic, is uh, on a street in North Hollywood. Uh-huh. It backs up to the uh, the house backs up to the L.A. River, and they just went there to do what is called an establishing shot, right? Yep. Um, uh, 
the interior of the house, which is at least as iconic as the exterior, was on stage five at Paramount. And the two, the two were, and it was fake. There were no ceilings. There were only three walls in every room because um, they had to film through the, you know, the fourth wall. But uh, now HGTV has taken the, the, they've bought that house in LA and turning what on the inside what we all would recognize as the Brady house and it's pretty crazy um, I've been telling them for I mean we've been at it for almost a year now uh, I told them going in this is you guys are nuts and this is the best idea I ever heard <laughs> so that's and be- they did it see I, I I didn't think they I didn't think we had our doubts like the Brady cast members, we all have some varying levels of experience in, you know, remodeling and construction and just general handy, handiness, you know, because we've all been homeowners and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, you got to fix your sprinklers when they break. Right. Sure. But anyway, um, we had our, we had our doubts as to whether or not this could even be done. And they had, they had some geniuses um, at the head of the team who, who were design-build um, design engineers and, and contractors that, that really did something amazing. And, and I'm glad they're gonna, those people are going to be on the show. It won't be it, – I mean, it's very real. The, the stuff we did we, – the, the things that we did as Brady, because we all participated in, the, in different parts of the renovation. And um, the stuff we did is very real, but but the heavy lifting was was mostly done in combination of, of the HGTV, um, you know, their their stars, their hosts, and um, and these um, you know the the design build guys and the contractors. It was quite impressive. Who's the most handy Brady? Fat. Oh, I I think it, I think it could safely be said that that it's a tie between the five of us leaving out Barry Williams. <laughs> if you give if you give Barry Williams a you know a hammer uh, and a nail, you know, there's a there's a decent chance he'll know what to do with him, but but maybe not. I think so, every, yeah. So I get it. So um yeah um I know Eve has remodeled houses, like uh-huh. several. I certainly have. I, I own a, um, some rental properties here in a commercial building that, that always need work done on them. Um, I know Susan has, um, Chris built his own house where he lives. Um, you know, I mean, he, he was the builder. He wasn't the contractor. But uh, Maureen has been remodeling houses. Yeah, so we're all handy. Except for what's his name, the old guy, Barry. <laughs> How would you say that being a child actor? I'm sure you've been asked this a zillion times, but I'm just fascinated by the answer. Like, how would you say this impacted your life as far as from living a normal childhood, if that was even remotely possible, to feeling like you were perhaps different than everyone, and then also stepping into, oh my God, I got the rest of my life to live after being Bobby Brady. That could not have been easy. Well, I, I can say in retrospect now that my move 
as a 17-year-old um, upon graduating from high school, my move to Salt Lake City was a move to hide. I moved to get away and I moved to, to be somewhere where I could, I could hide from and not be in LA mm-hmm. and not be part of, of the business. And, and holding no, no, you know, ill will toward my, my childhood whatsoever. I mean, uh, it's, it's always been a good thing because Brady fans always treat the Brady bunch with like, you know, kind heartedly. So whenever I'm, whenever I'm interacting with, with a, with an old fan, they, it's always a good, pleasant, happy sort of a coming together, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't hold any grudge or ill will toward, toward my childhood or, or the producers or any of that. But, but I can, but I did move to, to Utah to, to escape. And, um, I wouldn't have told you that at the time, but I, but I can see it that way now. And, um, and I, I basically got out of the business. I would come back and do the reunion shows. I always played Bobby every time they'd invite me back to do any sort of a reunion show. But I never really pursued much of an acting career after I was, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. And, um, and it's worked out well. I mean, I always thought I'd move back to L.A. after a few years because and, and, that was my hometown. But but um, I've lived in in Utah now for you know, gosh, what is it? Forty years. And you did stuff behind the years? scenes though, right? weren't you? Didn't weren't you uh, camera operator? Yeah, I, stuff like that. Right. I I did get back in the business, and I was a I was a cameraman, mostly a camera assistant, which uh, in the old days was a, the the first AC was uh, the focus puller. So I my job was to run the camera department on on a movie or or even if it was just a commercial for one day um uh around the camera department and take care of the gear and and make sure that it was in focus basically yeah why do you think you're um, yeah so I, yeah i was a first assistant congratulations on the work of ht hgtv we're, we're looking forward to seeing the, the project here it's going to be awesome i just want to go back uh, one more yeah, young they made they made the first they made the first episode they took the first episode and and they had so much content that they loved. They turned the first episode from 60 minutes to 90 minutes. And that ought to tell you something. That, that's awesome. Why, why do you think you were originally chosen for the role, Mike, if you had to go back and, and, and give a guess on that as we wrap it up? I think I look, I look like I could be Robert Reed's son. Mm-hmm. That was the main thing. Once, once they dyed my hair. Right. Because I had red hair. Um, and, and Sherwood Schwartz tells, tells the story of how he cast the youngest members not by their acting ability or whether or not they could, you know, um, pull off a scene, but but whether or not they could just concentrate and pay attention and and focus um, and not be distracted. Uh, and uh, I think that, you know, my mom was a school teacher and a piano teacher, mm-hmm. and she, um, you know, I I was I was I had a, you know probably an above average for a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old amount of ability to to concentrate you know, and, and be, be present. It was great for a kid to be around grown-ups um, so much. I learned a lot that I, you know, took with me for the rest of my life about how to interact and how to, 
how to deal with other human beings on a daily basis. I'm still working on being present. That's a that's a huge skill. I think right. it's not easy. I'm I'm super excited to uh, to see it, Mike. Congrats congrats on the uh, the uh, the HGTV portion, if you will, and we appreciate you taking the time. It's going to be a huge success, and I'm excited about it. Time for my final thoughts, and I want to give them on Andrew Luck, who surprisingly, at least to some retired over the weekend during the Bears and Colts game. The news breaking, Luck on the sidelines and then walking off the field and Indianapolis fans booing Andrew Luck. Booing a guy who threw for 23,671 yards, 171 touchdowns, 2,000 completions, has been battling his way through injuries, was the comeback player of the year, and here come the boos because Colt fans are mad that he's retiring at 29, he's going to be 30 in September, and they won't get to watch Andrew Luck anymore. I think it's all time. I think it's time for all of us to look in the mirror. And I don't want to get on the high horse here, but somehow, some way. Whatever the circumstance seems to be nowadays, we make it about us. Andrew Luck gave you everything he had. You should be standing and cheering and going nuts, perhaps even with a tear coming down the face if you're a diehard Colts fan and a diehard fan of a guy who gave the Colts everything. He came in, he replaced Peyton Manning, he was a class act on the field. He was a class act off the field. And it is disturbing, quite frankly, to see fans, because they're upset, because they don't understand, to turn and boo him. And the guy, at least I give him credit, he admitted that it bothered him during the press conference. Hey, Andrew, did it bother you that you got booed? Yeah, actually it did. Yeah, it did. I just gave my heart and freaking soul to this city, to this franchise, and you're going to boo me walking off the field? I wouldn't feel bad if he gave him the one-finger salute. You know what? It further cemented the reason why I wanted to retire. Because really, I do have to live for myself. Because I can't live for these people out here. Because after all I did, they're going to boo me coming off the field. And by the way, Colts fans are probably no worse than any other fan in football This is what happens, and not even just football, although I do think football fans are a little more on the intense side, more likely to happen. But this certainly could happen in Philly or New York or Chicago or wherever. But bottom line, take a step back. Think about how hard that decision had to be and applaud a guy for giving it his all and then realizing that, you know what, I don't have anything left to give. Michael Jordan, for the record, my favorite guy, he retired at 30, saying he had nothing left to prove. He had won three straight titles. Should Jordan have been booed? Come on, man, come on back. What do you mean you don't have nothing left to prove? He was burnt out. His father got killed, and he retired, and he was cheered. I mean, Andrew Luck didn't win three Super Bowls, but he gave everything he possibly had to the Colts, tried to get himself back, did get himself back, and he's done. Who knows, maybe I'll have a change of mind in a year or two or six months, or maybe never. 
But either way, the dude deserved a standing ovation. And it was pathetic what actually happened in Indianapolis. Thank you for listening to On The Mark with yours truly, Mark Carmen. Please subscribe, give a rating. On The Mark coming out every Monday afternoon. Thank you for listening.